So the reading today is taken from Acts 4, verses 32 to 35, and it's in page 1096 of your Bibles. The believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of the possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Thank you very much. So in, in the Acts of the Apostles, it is actually what it says what it means. It's what the Apostles did. They acted. Now here at uh, St. Giles, we're in a vacancy. We've got no rector. Um, that selection process has started. And it could take some time. But one thing is clear, that there's got to be change. Mm. People in churches don't like change, do they? But it's got to happen. And it's got to happen for a couple of reasons. And one is that we can't carry on as we've always done. And COVID has made us realize that. A lot of people left the church during COVID and watched it, services online. In fact, increasing numbers of people watch services online. Um, we don't do one online anymore at St. Giles because we want to be together to worship together with real people. Um, but all the way across the Christian church in this country and indeed in Europe, numbers have gone down. And we've got to do something about it. And what better way than to look back to what the apostles did? There were 12 of them. Well, in fact, at this stage, there were only 11 because Judas Iscariot wasn't there anymore. And they hadn't appointed a replacement, but there were 12 of them, say. And they had seen Jesus crucified and killed, and they had witnessed him come back to life again, the resurrection, Easter Day. And they were scared because they thought they were going to be next. They thought the Jewish authorities, backed by the Roman um, military, would come and take them away and crucify them and get rid of them because they were seen as troublemakers. And so what happened? They were together in a room and they were scared. They locked the doors. And God sent his Holy Spirit and they were changed. Something happened in that room. And it's something that many of us have witnessed in churches. I've witnessed it several times, many, many times, of God's Holy Spirit coming and changing people. People become different. And those 12 who were scared, they went, unlocked the doors, they went out, there was a festival going on in Jerusalem, the streets were absolutely crowded, Peter stood up, he'd never done that before, and he preached a belter of a sermon. And he told them the facts. He said, you crucified Jesus, but he's alive, and he can make a difference to your life. Turn away from your old life, 
and follow him. Exactly what we've been saying here today. No different. And 2,000 people instantly said, yes, we want to follow Jesus Christ. So what did they do? They said, well, let's form a church and we'll have a committee. You've got to have a committee, haven't you? In fact, you've got to have several committees and they've got to have subcommittees and they've got to write reports and they've got to do parish profiles and they've got to work it all out. No, they didn't do any of that. What did they do? Well, what was read to us just now? First of all, it's told that they were of one heart and mind. There you are. Secondly, they recognized the sovereignty of God in a practical way. They said that God is in charge. They had no reason to say that looking out any more than we have, perhaps. They were living in a city that was occupied by the Romans. They were in fear of their lives. They hadn't got, they've given up their jobs. They had no income, no future, no pension, no houses. And yet they recognized that God was in control. And we need to do the same. And we're told that the resurrection was central to what they believed. And what does it say? It, it says here, um, with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was on them all. They wouldn't be silent. They said, we followed Jesus, we heard his teaching, we saw him crucified, and we have seen him alive. We have touched him, we have eaten with him, we have walked with him, we have talked with him, and he is alive. And they then practiced need-oriented outreach. So instead of forming a committee and saying, what shall we do? They looked out and said, what can we do for others? Where are the needs in our society? And how can we meet those needs? And as a Christian church, we must be doing the same. Looking out to meet the needs of people who know nothing of the love of Jesus. And then we move on to Acts chapter 5. So they said, we've got to go out. Thank you, Barry. And we're told they performed signs and wonders. They'd seen Jesus perform miracles. And Jesus had told them that you will do greater things than me. So you go out there and you pray for the sick. You lay hands on them. And you do things that I've taught you to do. And they did. And lo and behold, the sick were healed. The lame walked. Things happened. And they were amazed because God's grace was on them all. What else did they do? They met together for worship. The num I wish I had a tenor for every time somebody said to me, I don't need to worship God. I don't need to go to church. I can do it in my bath. Well, you can do it in your bath. In fact, listening to worship songs in your bath is a good idea sometimes, provided you don't drop the radio into the bath, that is, or your phone, which has been done. But it's good to worship together, to come together, to be inspired by one another, to join a home group, 
to be together, to share your joys, to share your sorrows, to share your hopes, your aspirations, and your disappointments, to have true friends who will be there for you no matter what. And they came together. And as they came together in worship, other people said, well, what's going on here? I'll have some of that. There's something different happening. And different people came in. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. Before moving up to Nottingham from Warwickshire, I, I was in Coventry. And in Coventry, there were 40 different Christian churches of different denominations, different languages, different uh, ways of worshipping. And every, every quarter, they all came together. And when you've got thousands of people coming together to worship God, wow, it's electrifying. It really is. So numbers bring in numbers. So it's tempting to say, well, I won't go to church this week. Um, you know, it's a nice day. We'll go for a picnic instead. You wouldn't, well, at one level, that doesn't matter. That's great. But on another level, we let everybody else down. Because being together is so important. They met together for worship. And the strength of their fellowship drew others in. And it had that snowball effect. And they made a difference to the society in which they lived. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 17 to 24, we find that this wasn't popular. Next slide, please, Barry. There was opposition. And just as they had opposed Jesus, they started opposing the apostles. We don't want these people going out and stirring up trouble. They were scared because they were insecure in their leadership. The religious people. People often say to me, well, Vicar, I'm not really religious. And I say, thank God, neither was Jesus. And he wasn't. He had some very harsh things to say about religious people. He called them whitewashed sepulchres, all clean and nice on the outside, but full of stinking corruption inside. Jesus' words, not mine. And they opposed. And they arrested them. And then there's this fellow called Gamaliel. And the council was sitting, what are we going to do with these people? And Gamaliel said, well, hang on a minute. We've had people like this before. They've been a flash in the pan. They've had followers. They've lasted for a few weeks, a few months, even a year or so. And then they just fizzle out and they'll go away. And we need not worry about them. But, he said, if these people are who they say they are, if it's true, there's nothing we can do about it. Because it will be unstoppable. And we are here today as living proof of that. Over 2,000 years later. And if it wasn't true, if it was just a big fairy tale, it would have fizzled out centuries ago and just become another myth, another legend. But it isn't. It is true. And we are here today. And there are millions and millions and millions of people throughout the world worshipping today, this Sunday, worshipping the one true living God and his son Jesus Christ, who is alive. So they got away with just a flogging. Anybody up for a flogging? 
I'm not asking if there are any dominatrix here, by the way. <laughs> no. They didn't get killed. They were whipped. Would we be whipped for our faith? Well, I'm not sure about that. And what else did they do? And then day after day, they never stopped talking about the good news of Jesus. And then, what about us? What's our perspective? Are we of one heart and mind? Well, if you want to find disagreement, put a group of people together in one place. Everybody will have their own opinion. I like this, I don't like that. I mean, you'll be saying that after this service at your parties, perhaps. Oh, I like that bit. I didn't like that bit. Uh, I thought that vicar was awful. Well, you can disagree. <laughs> but we all have our own opinions. But in this case, they were of one heart and mind. They were united. And they were united because they had the same belief. We need to be united. And you know, they realized that their possessions were not their own, that everything they had had come from God. Um, one of the problems that we face in our modern society is you can't, have a, um, you can't do anything without money. Much as we'd like to, there are some things you can do without any, but most things we need money. Um, I was using the example, there was, uh, if you watch the BBC News at all, you'll often see from the centre of London, there's a, a church in the background with a big pointy thing on the top, a spire. And it's All Souls Langham Place, where the BBC is on the opposite corner. And you would think, that's an old church, it's a Wren church, I think. Um, looks very nice. But what you don't know is underneath, there's an area which is bigger than this church. And there were so many people who wanted to go to that church. They wanted to hold conferences. They wanted recording studios. They wanted facilities for outreach. And they didn't have any room. So they went down. And they needed some money. And people remortgaged their houses. Some sold houses and possessions to pay for that. And that has been repeated time and time again. When I was a child, I grew up in the inner city Leeds, next to the prison in Armley, one of the most deprived areas with back-to-back -back houses and a tap for three or four houses in the early 50s, late 40s. My father was a vicar, and after he left, there was a new vicar. And the church was much bigger than this. It was a big Victorian place, it was big enough to go hang gliding in. It was huge. And there were only a few people. And they were very, very poor. And they prayed, what should we do? And they said, well, we need to outreach. How can we use this building? So they gave, sacrificially, money. Huge quantities of money which they didn't really have or couldn't afford and they put a floor in, they had doctor's surgery, outreach centres, advice centres, a community centre, playgroup areas, and a worship area. Very, very poor. The disciples gave everything, because they could see it's important. Now, we're not going to have a collection this morning. Hooray, you say? <laughs> 
You expect to have a collection when you come to church. They only want your money. We don't want your money. But if you want to give 50 pound notes, <laughs> there's a card machine at the back and a plate. Because we can't do anything without money. We need it. But uh, we use it in the right way. We need to look after each other. Do we look after each other? Perhaps at the end of the pandemic, people are not here that used to be here. I've said this before. Is there somebody missing that we could call on? Do you have a friend that you haven't seen since the pandemic? Do you know if they're even still alive? I've come across that. We didn't know he died. There was a case in the paper yesterday, wasn't there? Somebody who'd been in a flat dead for two years had died in a pandemic. Nobody knew. That's where we come in. Outreach. Looking after each other. And lastly, next slide. What are our signs and wonders? When somebody is sick, do we go and visit them and pray for them and ask for their uh, healing? In our meeting together, in our worship, is that a priority? I've touched on that already. What do people think of us? A load of hypocrites go to church, don't they? Yes. We are hypocrites. I'm a hypocrite. Because we all need forgiveness. None of, none of us are perfect. But we want to see growth. We want to change life here in West Bridgeford and in Nottingham, in Nottinghamshire, in the surrounding area. But we've got to be prepared for the consequences. There will be opposition. Um, people will laugh at us, make fun of us. There's that BBC news presenter, I can't think of his name now. He was, he's been vilified because he told people off for swearing at him. He said, I don't swear. I don't want you to swear at me or use God's name in vain. And people laughed at him. What about us? What's our challenge? Well, it's quite simple. Day after day in the temple courts and house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So that's it. Amen. Dave.